Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. KIPP, for short, brings you an exclusive look at the nature of humanity as we interface with culture and society in and out of our relationship with God. It explores the unique and contrasting position of having a biblical worldview versus a secular or societal worldview. I will explore these topics using the powerful and dynamic tools of the didactic narrative, teaching a relevant truth through storytelling, biblical exposition, teaching Bible principles, and of course, real talk. My background scans a diversity of over 35 years of work in education, government, law, ministry, business development, and consulting, respectively. Each guest speaker will bring a variety of wisdom and insight to life topics and situations that we encounter on a daily basis. So all I need you to do now as listeners is to sit back and enjoy the podcast, spread the word about KIPP, the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I will be your host, Derek L. Calhoun. That's hashtag KIP, hashtag KIP. Help me to make KIP your favorite Friday podcast. Now, let's get started. Hey, 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 KIP Nation. How are you all? Glad to have you back listening on this wonderful podcast day. Listen, I miss my uh, beautiful host. Uh, She is going to be away on sabbatical for a few weeks, uh, possibly two, maybe three. We'll see. But... uh, I'm going to try to hold on the fort the best I can and give you a quality podcast. Um, listen, a uh, lot of great things are happening. Uh, new platforms are going to be experienced. And uh, over the next few months, if you give me just a few months, I'm going to be sharing some things with you. Probably won't even be a few months, probably be a few weeks, but sharing some things with you that would just continue to further the cause of advancing the kingdom of God and the world beyond. Uh, lots of things going on to hinder those kinds of growth processes. You know what they say, where there are open and effectual doors, there are many enemies at the gate, mushrooming opposition. But we are time and a half for this mushrooming opposition. Kip Nation, I hope you guys are progressing. I hope you guys are moving. I hope you are challenging your walls. I hope you are breaking through glass ceilings. I hope that shackles are falling off of your life. I pray right now that you just would uh, come out of Lodabar and just move into a place where God can use you because God wants to use you to advance the kingdom of God and to spread the influence of the kingdom to the nations. Today, we're going to talk about best practices and leadership and leadership development. A lot of things I've learned. I was sitting here just kind of rehashing and rethinking and just recollecting uh, how many years that I've been in leadership and the different types of leadership that I've been in leadership positions. And, you know, I'm just shy of 40 years in leadership, 40 years. And so there's a lot that I've learned, uh, a lot that I thought I knew, a lot that I'm still learning. You know, before it's all said and done, I hope to be the leadership guru and uh, someone that you can rely on for accurate and positive information about becoming a better leader. So listen, uh, for those of you who are pastoring or 
you may be in uh, secular or marketplace leadership, these practices apply to you. Uh, it will help uh, both the pastor and the marketplace leader. So just tune in, listen up, and let's let's talk about some things. Recently, my wife and I were sharing about uh, the lost art of excellence, and uh, got a lot of great review on that. A lot of uh, people were blessed by that podcast. So. Uh, today we want to be dealing with best practices in leadership and leadership development. Let me let me say this: um, when you first start ministry, you have what's called foresight, or or any leadership position, you have foresight. And the obvious nature of foresight is that you want to be better than the people that were in front of you, and that's just human nature to want to be better. So you want to be more progressive, you want to be more creative. Uh, you think you you actually think you know more than you do. Uh, it's a lot of things that I discovered as a young leader, uh, looking at some of the leaders that were gone before me, and I wondered why they went down certain roads of activity or certain roads to deal with different sociological constructs or to deal with different uh, ways of managing people. And sometimes, you know, you think you have a more excellent way. But I came to the revelation that uh, when you actually walk in the shoes of these people, you actually get a very, very different vantage point. And I think in many organizations today, um, organizations suffer because you have people who are what we would call armchair quarterbacks with a vantage point that does not mirror the vantage point of the leader. And so there are a lot of decisions that you make that they don't understand. And so one of the things that we'll be talking about later on and in, in, in the future and maybe a little bit, we'll touch on some things today, uh, but emotional intelligence, understanding the people that God have given you and then understanding your role in knowing who you are, being sensitive to who they are and making sure that your disposition uh, builds and causes, uh, how do you say, growth and development in your ministry or in, when you, in your corporation or in your nonprofit rather than demise. So there's a lot of things that we have to be cognizant of as leaders. Uh, but we start off with foresight and we think we know more than we know. And then you get insight and you learn some things. Like uh, one of the things one of my best buddies taught me, uh, Dr. Pettis, he said that sentiment versus principle. And it was a, 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 a kind of uh, ideology that's simple to understand, but people fall prey to it all the time. Uh, sentiment is essentially what your heart says. Principle is what's right. So sometimes our heart will lead us in a way that's not exactly right because of a relationship, because of a connection, because of a friendship. You'll, you'll allow certain things that you ordinarily would not allow but you really need to exercise the the art of practicing principle what's right in this situation what's going to be the most beneficial for the organization at the end of the day you can hold on to a relationship that is soured and it spread a cancer throughout the context of your organization simply because you were dealing with sentiment rather than the principle the principle is if it's a cancer it needs to be cut out doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter what your relationship is, it needs to be cut off. So there's things that I learned, sentiment versus principle. And one of my favorite favorite ones is there's three sides to every story. 
a, a lot of people who are in leadership have people that they depend on for information, but you have to be careful getting information from third-party participants. Why? Um, one, there's three sides to every story. It's his side, her side, and the truth. And so oftentimes we get slants of the truth, or we get uh, portions of the truth, or we get uh, a little piece of the truth. We, we get a, a, a half a truth. And I've learned that a half truth is a whole lie. And so I've had situations where I've been across the table with an individual. I'm now advocating for them and trying to help them through a given situation. We're talking with the person who is supposedly antagonizing them. So the person who's being antagonized, the person who is supposed to be the antagonist says, did they tell you A, B, and C? And I'm sitting across the table looking like, uh, wait a minute. So I address the other individual who I'm an advocate for, and I say, what about A, B, and C? And they look at me and kind of say, oh, I left that part out. So I've learned in ministry to make sure that you do a full investigation, do full due diligence, and that's part of what I learned in insight. You know, the things that you grow through while you are involved in leadership, there are lessons that you learn. I hope you write them down and you make note of them because they'll be beneficial for the people that are coming behind you. And then there's hindsight. Hindsight are the things that you learn after you get out of ministry. Hindsight are the things you wish you had have known. And I, there's a statement that people say that hindsight is 2020. In other words, you can always see better after you've gone through a certain situation and you're looking back at the situation and you say to yourself, I should have done, I should have done this, I should have done that. If I had known, I would have done things differently. So there's hindsight. Here are some things that I've learned in hindsight. Crucial conversations. There are some conversations in leadership that are unavoidable. You may not like confrontation. You may not like conflict resolution. You may not like to confront people, but there are certain things that have to be done regardless of how you feel. And I know someone sitting over there nudging you now saying, I told you so. But listen, you have to get these crucial conversations out of the way. It's better to have them than to let them linger like a chain around your neck, choking your creativity, choking your influence, and choking the move or the advancement of your leadership position and the development of your organization or organism as you are continuing to move forward. It's a challenging conversation, but it, it needs to happen. It needs to happen. I remember in my transition, I had a crucial conversation specialist come in and have conversation between myself and my successor. And it was... It was heart-wrenching. It, it was tough. It was tough conversation. He said it like this. I'm not going to put any ice in the glass. It's not going to be any chaser. So just pour it in the glass. You're going to have to drink it straight. And he was making an analogy to the fact that you all say what you need to say and don't hold anything back. These were crucial conversations. And it was the best conversation that I've ever had. It changed the course of the organization or organism that uh, I had uh, oversight of for many, many years. And now the growth, the relationship, the entire organization has changed for the best 
because the people who are at the top in the C-suite are able to communicate with each other in a way that's not just functional, but in a way that creates an organic culture for sustainability, okay? So let's talk about blind spots. Blind spots are things that all leaders have um, that they don't know themselves and you need other people to tell you about them. Well, here's the caveat I learned. You have to be willing to allow other people to tell you what you're doing that's hindering the growth and development of your organization. That's whether you're in corporate, that's whether you're a pastor. We can't sit in positions of leadership and be untouchable the entire time we're there. I believe Peter and Paul had some very terse moments when there was an exchange about their leadership styles. We, we have to be able to communicate with one another. We have to be able to ask some, some tough questions. I won't follow you until I see the holes in your hands. Tough question to ask Jesus, but, but Thomas asked it. We call him Doubting Thomas, but think about it. He was the son of God, but yet he had something that he needed to ask and he was able to ask it. Jesus endured him, touching him and making sure that I am who you think I am so that they can move forward. So there are things that we have to be aware of about ourselves and sometimes we're unaware. And so we need other people to point out what's going on with us and in our lives. This last thing that I want to talk about in reference to hindsight is emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is the ability to be in touch with one's own emotions, and every leader ought to be in touch with his, his or her emotions. You need to know how your emotional outbursts or how your uh, latitude that you have day in and day out working with individuals, who can you be angry with? To what degree can you be angry? Do you, Can you be angry at all? I mean, there's certain people, in other words, emotional intelligence is the ability to know or to discern how to properly manage the people or lead the people that are up under you. It's how your attitude, how your disposition, how your intonations affect either positively or negatively the growth of your group. So if you want to grow a group, you can't be the one that's killing the group because you're not in touch with yourself. You don't know why you say what you say or why you do what you do. And more importantly, you don't know the impact that what you say has on the people that work with you and work for you and work under you. So these are key things that, you know, I've learned after the fact. Uh, of course, I'm going to be, I'm still in a leadership capacity, just not in the exact same capacity that I was many years ago. But the point of the matter is I have these new tools. And so we should always be in a place where we're developing new tools, where we're hearing what other people have to say, where we are looking to uh, mesh the biblical writ, because there are things in the Bible that uh, fit what we're talking about now, but the language is different. And because the language is different, we tend not to be able to pull an element of crucial conversation or sentiment versus principle. We, we tend to miss these things, but they're all in the Bible. But nevertheless, 
today, uh, from experience, we believe that God must trust you. I believe that God must has to trust you in order to give you the assignment of taking care of his most precious cargo. Who can guess what God's most precious cargo is? <laughs> of course, it's people. People. People are the closest thing in the earth to his heart and his image. We were created in his image, uh, both he and her, male and female. We were both created in the image of God. Although people are uh, bipolar at times in their worship, we bring God his greatest joy and his greatest pain. Do you understand that? The way we worship God, sometimes we're in love with God and we're, in, we're on fire with God. And then the next minute we're out of love with God, not on fire with God. And so I, I say this because of that bipolar, that distinguishing uh, differentiation between being on board with God and not on board with God, uh, we bring God his greatest joy and his greatest pain. As leaders, we must learn to love and care for God's greatest commodity and his greatest commodity is people. So in order to be a good leader, let me give you some closing thoughts for today because there are 12 uh, points of inference that I want to uh, hit over the next couple of weeks. But I want to give you some closing remarks today. One of the things that we need to understand when we talk about leadership is that God cares so much for people that we need to care for people. We need to, one, make sure that we are in touch with ourselves and with our own emotions. We need to know why we do what we do and why we say what we say and be able to articulate, articulate that with the people that we work with. Secondly, we need to make sure that we understand and, and understand the importance of loving God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. When you love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul and understand the love that he has for us, I, I think the love grows between individuals that are in a relationship with God when they begin to understand and really take into, uh, how do you say it, account, how much does God really love you? I know why Christ died, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I get that. But what about the daily things we do every day? What about the way we, we tend to dismiss things and fall short of God's glory when we don't read, we don't study, we don't pray, when we're running out the house just just kind of making a way when instead of just spending time before God, making sure we get up early enough and making sure we stay up late enough, whenever our time is, that we give God the proper time and the proper uh, respect for who he is. And many times we're guilty. All of us are guilty of not being in the place where God wants to be. And yet God still loves us. So we flip the script on that and we begin to use that as a barometer in dealing with people. Because the same way that God is long-suffering with us, we need to learn to be long-suffering with other people. Okay? So then the second thing, the third thing that I would say is to learn to love people, amen, the way God loves you. So love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love the people that you employ. Love the people that are in your ministry the same way that you love yourself. And so with the same way that you want comfort from God, give comfort. The same way you want mercy, give mercy. The same way, the same way you want extra time, give extra time. The same way you want God to dismiss certain things in your life because you, you messed up, but you, you're going to get it together. 
give other people that same opportunity, that same credence. In other words, our relationship with God becomes a milestone for looking at our relationship with people. And if we treat people like God treats us, we're going to be well on our way to building an organization that influences the nation. Hey, you've been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I have enjoyed today immensely. I hope it has helped you. We have some wonderful, wonderful uh, best practices on leadership and leadership development to talk about the next few weeks. Don't miss any episode. Make sure you share this with your friends. God bless you and have a wonderful, wonderful week.